Hey everyone, how are you? Hello, Brock. Welcome. Hi, Justin. Hello, hello. Hey, how are you doing, J-Rod? Hey, hey, hey. Today is an exciting show. I am excited. How about you, Jose? Yeah, I, I'm super excited. We have a lot to talk about. We have the honor to have Brock here with us. Let's wait a bit for the people to get into the space before we begin. The music is okay? Volume? Yep. We, what's that? The music is okay? Yeah, music's good. It's good. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be an exciting show. We've got... Uh, Julie Pacino is, is going to drop by for a little while as well. We've got Brock for a while. We, we've got uh, Tom from Loop Finance here with us as well, uh, which is a Cosmos project. So we're going to talk a little bit, a bit about Cosmos, talk a little bit about stable coins, about the state of the market, regulation, um, everyone's best friend, Gary Gensler, all the important stuff. Well, we have a lot to talk about. Okay. Should we begin, Justin? Absolutely. So I think we've made, have we made everybody speaker? Yeah, we have. Good morning, Brock Pierce. How are you, sir? I am uh, grateful in uh, sunny Puerto Rico. Oh, que lindo. That, <laughs> that's, that's awesome. You've been... Uh, you know, working on projects in Puerto Rico pretty pretty famously uh, since there, there there was the hurricane at this point. How many years ago? Is it, was that four years six, ago? Was that six. Six, and six well, years we ago? An, we, we had another hurricane this year, Fiona, which oh, mostly God. it hit Florida a lot harder than it, uh, than it hit us. But actually, no, I've been coming to Puerto Rico for 25 years. Right. And uh, I started working down here almost a decade ago. I... I uh, started the first crypto bank in the world uh, in Puerto Rico because I was looking at buying federally chartered banks, state chartered banks, trying to understand how credit unions worked. Because back in 2013, none of our startups, no, none of the uh, industry companies, for the most part, could open up a bank account. And so I saw that as a systemic risk to the industry. And I said, well, let me figure out how to be a bank. And what I realized is it was much easier through the back door of, you know, the U.S. territories. And so utilizing the, the new laws created in 2012 uh, started a bank, which is what made me so familiar with what was possible here. And when Hurricane Maria hit, uh, I said, let's uh, let's see if we can bring some intellectual, social, financial and creative capital to uh, to Puerto Rico in, 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 in mass, you know, concentration and see what sort of magic can happen over time. And it's been six years. Um, I think this is the intellectual crypto capital of the world. You know, when people come down here from New York, they spend one weekend here and they're like, I've developed more valuable relationships in a weekend than I did in New York in five years. Um, right. it is, it's incredible. Well, it, it's, it, it's not so big, right? The area, you, everyone is near, right? Yeah, I mean, it's... It, 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 most people are around the, the capital of San Juan. That's the, the main city. But the entire place is, you know, really only 100 miles wide and 30 miles sort of tall. So you can drive around the whole island in a circle, you know, in a, in a half a day. And so, you know, some people choose to live on a, a beach like Rincon on the, 
on, on the West Coast or, you know, over in Fajardo or down south. Yeah, the, the main base is capital of San Juan. Right. And what, what's fascinating is that you are getting a chance to experience now with a fairly different, uh, with a fairly decent, um, you know, six year period at uh, kind of like building up a, a model to see how, uh, you know, crypto can help uh, expand, grow and stabilize uh, an economy. Um, and I know that you're you're involved in um you're involved in uh, El Salvador as well, uh, and that that's something else I would like to touch upon. But I know uh, to, to go through our, our first question, I'll, I'll go ahead and shoot over to to you and Tom for the time being. Um, I will start with you. You know what what's your what's your vision, Brock? You, you've been uh, like when you look at your career as a whole, you've been so far ahead of the curve so many times, uh, creating you know web content, web content, video content before there was a YouTube, uh, you know at the at the foundation of Tether and and so forth. So you know, a visionary isn't ex- an exaggeration with you. What do you see as you know principally at stake here for people? What what is the opportunity and and what it and and what is the risk of maybe not handling the integration of uh, of crypto correctly? Like, what do we gain if we do it the right way? Well, I I, I think the goal is call it peace on earth, you know, uh, <laughs> heaven on earth, right? I think the goal is how do we create a world in which everyone can win? Um, you know, that's a very you know utopian call it macro agenda obviously you sh- you aim for the stars and and hopes that we hit the moon um uh, uh and so i i mean i think the goal is how do we build a better world you know how do we make our time and our presence here on this this planet you know the short time that we get to be here how do we leave it better than we found it for the generations that follow that is our duty as as i view it with each generation and this technology in particular i think plays a very important role in in shaping a brighter, better future for everyone. You know, how do we bring greater transparency while still preserving privacy at the individual level to call it our institutions? Uh, How do we create greater efficiency that drives greater equity? How do we democratize access to the the tools necessary to 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 live a life of prosperity or the pursuit of happiness? Um, You know, these at its core, what is this doing, right? It's, it's driving accountability through transparency. It's democratizing access to tools and therefore opportunity to everyone equally that's got a, a device, you know, and, and, and creating efficiency and eliminating, you know, call it um, uh, middlemen that are in the business of, you know, capturing a tremendous amount of value while creating very little. And so you can, we can, you know, take any silo we want and like, you know, dig down that piece of it. And, and that's where we are. And one of the roles that I've taken on in the last few years is taking a look at our system of governance, you know, that exists on planet Earth, you know, otherwise known as our governments, you know, that's really at the top of it all. And, and how do we integrate the future in a way where the old and the wind can come together, right? And the old and the new can, can win together, the old economy, the new economy. We don't want this to be in, you know, us against them, you know, we're ultimately all in this together. And the way that you do that is through the process of education, right? How do you, how do you help um, take those that are inherently skeptical or fearful of the future, 
because the status quo is working for them and and get them comfortable that the future includes them too and it can if they choose to participate you know el salvador yeah that was um uh, i i organized the first formal delegation into the country since covid brought 37 you know uh founders ceos of various technologies to make sure the government had access to uh uh, a broad menu of uh, services that could implement the new law, the Bitcoin law, and they did that in 90 days. Uh, and I currently work with over 40 governments right now, uh, mostly at the heads of state level, uh, as well as at a legislative level. And then I'm very active uh, domestically with you know midterm elections coming up. Hey, I, I love your vision about a program of governance. But how do you achieve that? Like, what, what is the role of individuals? What should be the role of the state? And how can we avoid that uh, the use of technology um, to control and subject a society instead of improving or enhancing the, the human experience? Yeah, I mean, I, I, this is obviously a very complicated question. Like, how do we do that? I think at its core, it starts at the individual level. Right. We only have the power to to you know choose for ourselves and respond for ourselves. And we only really have power over ourselves. And it's showing up as our best selves. Uh, uh, and then with that, leading by example, educating, informing, inspiring. And eventually it's a, it's a consensus decision. We live in a consensus reality. You know, the the future is what we collectively make it. And if we want a certain future, it's important that we get involved in creating it and contributing in whatever capacity we can and we like. Um, you know, the future is going to happen to you or it's going to happen with you. So please get involved. Uh, your participation is required. And remember, technology is amoral. It's neither good or bad. How, our intentions and how we in, implement it determines the impact it has. And obviously, just like nuclear energy, it can be used to create abundant, low-cost energy or create bombs that create great destruction. This technology could be a tool that uh, uh, frees humanity and delivers a very positive outcome, or it could be used as a tool to enslave humanity. Um, you yeah. know, take a look at, and I, I don't want to uh, rant on China, but, you know, they've got the Chinese digital wand. They've got the social scoring systems and all of this sort of stuff. That's not the future I think most of us want to live in. Uh, and everyone's entitled to their view. I have a strong view of the future that I want to live in. And I invest my time, energy, money, relationships uh, uh, to push us toward a future that supports life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Yeah, yeah. I think that everyone realizes that that you're on that path and and you're adding a lot to humanity in terms of from an individual individual role. Um, and is this linked with the launching of several pairings with other currencies? Is this this common effort towards that goal linked? For example, in May, USDT launched a, a a, a stable coin pegged with a Mexican peso, for example, that provides benefits to local communities. Uh, is that a way of counterbalancing, for example, the efforts of, of launching CBDCs in specific countries? Um, I'm sure if you can hear me, I seem to be having a, a connectivity uh, issue. It's okay. It gets no, a little question. I don't know. Are you able to hear me? Yep, yep. Yep. 
Wait, I guess he's not hearing us. Let, let's take it over to Tom. Hey, Tom, how are you doing today? Tom from Loop. Hey, great. Great, guys. Thanks for having me here. So, so we've heard from presidential candidate and angel investor who's raised $5 billion in the space. Uh, and and let, let's on, on uh, essentially yeah, society building, uh, economy building through crypto. Now, of course, Loop uh, being a, a Cosmos I, I'm back. Uh, Sorry, project. I don't know what happened there, but uh, I just logged out, came back in. Sorry about that. Um, uh, if I understood but, the last question correctly, it's, you know, how are all these things going to, to pair and so a lot of the technologies that have enabled cryptocurrency to work are what I'd call the interoperable systems, the bridges, the roads and the tunnels that connect the old economy or the legacy economy to the new economy in the same way that government currencies are not going to be going away anytime soon. Um, probably not in our lifetimes. We're just being given more abundance of choice. And so um, clearly, you know, uh, uh, everybody has a right to improve their systems. Um, you know, I, my view, you know, having started Tether is that a, um, a digital dollar uh, that could be moved around 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, efficiently and accessible to people all over the world was a good idea. I think uh, uh, I was proven right on that one uh, back at a time where, Everyone in the industry that I talked to about this thought it was a terrible idea. I mean, I think it was universally rejected. The, the, the response, because remember, this is early crypto days, not that early. It's 2013, 14, but early enough where everyone's like, that's, that's a terrible idea. Why would we want fiat? I'm like, well, that's, you know, maybe us. I'd say that the U.S. dollar is still the, 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 the instrument most in demand. It was definitely game changing. And, and, it, and it helped crypto tremendously. You know, clearly yep. that the, the, the currency pairs, just like in any financial market, the pairing, you know, allowed for the industry to develop and advance so that we have a lot of the call it more advanced financial tools like traditional markets would have. I think it's been uh, a good thing so far. I am nervous about uh, central bank digital currencies, not as a concept. But again, how they're implemented, you know, if they're implemented in a way that, uh, uh, again, drives accountability, accessibility and efficiently, that's a good thing. If it's done in a way that um, uh, uh, limits our freedom, limits the control over our resources and limits our privacy. Again, it's how these things are implemented that matter most, which is also yeah. part of the reason I spend so much time trying to educate, you know, uh, our governments that that believe in you know core principles like freedom. Yeah, totally. I, I get it. And it's also, it's like, how do you prevent uh, from like uh, people, how do you say, sorry, um, like misuse, you know, how, how do you prevent misuse and how do you prepare for that? Because if the government tomorrow says, okay, we will do this, we have no way of saying no. It's like super difficult. I think in the past two years, we saw that we have no way of resisting any kind of, uh, uh, of me me measurement that it's imposed on us. So how we do prepare for when this is going to happen? You know? So I, 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 I disagree with that premise. I've spent okay. years now working in our government 
I spend a lot of my time in Washington, D.C., talking to members of the House of Representatives and senators. I'm very involved in a lot of the elections. I do it on a federal level and on a state level. Governments are comprised of people. It's supposed to be, you know, we the people of, for, and by. And it, it's about having the people in government educated and having them informed and to have an opinion and to get involved. If we don't show up and talk to our government, if we choose to not use our voice and our power within our political system, which we have some say over, um, then yes, it will eventually be decisions are made in a vacuum where we did not show up and we did not represent our perspective. Not just myself, there are many of us doing this and we are winning over more and more allies in our system of governance on a daily basis. And I believe that we have the power to prevent what you're talking about, at least here in the U.S. Um, and that's why I devote so much time to it. I don't want to do that. It's not a job I want to do. I don't want to be a, uh, I, I don't want to do, you know, I'm an entrepreneur at my core. I'm an innovator. I'm a futurist. I like building things, you know, from the future, going back and, and, and having to, to spend tremendous time in Washington, D.C., educating government officials, many of whom that are older, is not my idea of a good time. But I believe that we have the power to, to impact the outcome. And therefore, I do this as a matter of moral obligation as someone that cares about our collective future. The, great answer. Thank you for your answer. That, that's, uh, Brock, have, have you met with uh, Gary Gensler? What, what, what's up with that guy? Does he just need a hug? He seems very interested in the crypto space. Is that a good or a bad thing? Well, I think many of us were very hopeful when he got that appointment because he actually knew something about crypto. We thought we had an ally in the SEC and we got the exact opposite of what we had hoped for. Um, uh, clearly, he took a very different position than we had thought he might. I'm not saying we were confident, but we had we had high hopes that we had an informed individual. Uh, and, yeah, that did not work out in the way that we thought. But I also I don't understand where he gets his orders from. Right. To some degree, you know, we're pawns or puppets in the show. Um, I, I can't speak to the specifics of it, but um, uh, I uh, I think that the Biden administration's executive order that we were very nervous about. Uh, which came out about a year ago, actually was incredibly positive. The market responded positively. You know, the, the administration said that this is a very real technology. It's here to stay. It has an important role and we need to better understand it. It was not negative. It was very, uh, I, I'd say, positive as far as the spectrum of what could have happened. And uh, many of us are continuing to, to educate our government. I'd say that Gary Gensler was uh, not a good uh, and when we look back historically on the work that we've done and the players in the game, uh, he was definitely not a good piece on the board as it relates to us and our views of a, of, of a better future. Well, well, we'll see. I mean, some of the things that he's said have, have been leading, but not necessarily conclusive in terms of interpreting his tweets. So I'll be interested in seeing what direction he takes it. But Tom, uh, we, we, we have you here, Tom from Loop Finance. You are uh, in a, a decentralized exchange as well as an NFT uh, launchpad and marketplace uh, based in the Cosmos ecosystem. 
you know, what what is your take toward the potentiality of crypto to help build society and, and, and better lives? Because in from a very different direction than Brock, you also are, are in the position of bringing more people into Web3, same basic goal. Yeah, look, I think um, I'm actually based now in, in Medellin, in Colombia, um, and we're really um, finding an incredible amount of traction in this market and ecosystem, just because uh, there's there's a, a, a huge need here. I mean, you know, in, in the kind of Western world, I mean, crypto is kind of a luxury or it's, you know, it's a, it's a wanna have, whereas here it's almost becoming like a must have because, you know, I mean, I don't know if you've, anyone's been tracking the Colombian peso recently, but it's, it's not doing very well. I think it's just dropped another, you know, 10 or 15% just in the last month or so alone. Um, so everyone here is kind of, you know, desperately looking for ways to, to protect their assets, to protect their wealth, you know, to protect what they've worked for essentially their entire lives. Um, so we're really down here. I mean, you know, we do have obviously the DEX and the NFT marketplace and Launchpad, and we also have a mobile wallet. But what we're really looking for is kind of, you know, ways that we can start to practically use, um, use those products. Um, so, you know, hopefully... Um, being able to achieve, I guess, a fairer distribution of wealth. Because, I mean, especially in Latin American countries, there's there's people who really, you know, desperately need help. They're already poor, and they're just getting poorer by the minute, basically. So, you know, if we can provide them with ways to get their, you know, get what little wealth they do have out of their local currency and into, you know, a slightly more stable currency, I guess, the US dollar, you know, it's, it's not doing too well either, but at least it's definitely better off than a lot of Latin American currencies. Um, and then, you know, finding sort of real world ways that they can use that, using it for payments at local businesses, you know, using it to, for savings to be able to earn a yield on that, which they can get from sort of, you know, DeFi products. Um, and then obviously, you know, things like microfinancing and things like that. So, you know, people are able to, you know, finance a, a surgery or, you know, a fix their roof or, you know, do something, um, you know, really needed with, with that money. So yeah, that's what that's what I'm here for, and that's what I'm, I'm. We're really hoping to achieve here in Latin America. I've lived here for on and off for the last sort of 25 years, um, and so you know, really see the need in this this whole region for for uh, uh, products like crypto and blockchain can offer. Well, speaking of stable, uh, you know, obviously we we've had a lot of hopes pinned on uh, one use case for DeFi, which is the stable coin, of course. Uh, Brock also has some experience with that, being the, the founder, one of the co-founders of uh, Tether, after all. Um, so, so I, I will put to you first, uh, about both of you. you now, obviously, I know that that uh, Loop, I believe, shared chain with uh, with Terra Network. If I'm not if I'm not mistaken, is that correct? <laughs> Unfortunately, yes, uh, we were on Terra. Um, we were one of the first protocols to actually launch on Terra. And, you know, we did obviously very well for a little while and then we did incredibly terribly <laughs> when Terra right. decided to, to implode. We've now, luckily, I mean, Terra was based on the Cosmos SDK, so it was quite easy to migrate all of our smart contracts over to the Juno chain, which is where we currently are. Um, but, yeah, Terra was a, a, a massive disaster for, for many, many people. Well, sure. But, you know, I, I've heard some uh, defenses of, you know, like uh, it, was, it was Billy um, Markham, I believe his last name is, uh, from Cosmos, who uh, the core dev team, 
who was just talking about, you know, essentially the idea wasn't necessarily wrong. The the algorithm was wrong. The execution was wrong. Uh, perhaps a little a little short sighted. That was his his argument. Um, it, are are we? Do we still have our hopes pinned on the idea of a stable coin? Has it been too discredited by some of these spectacular failures? Or uh, where is it going to turn to a flat coin like Buterin's been talking about? We need something that's just uh, you know rather than than bringing back passive value, it's actually just uh, inflation proof. Where, where do you think it's going to go? I mean, I think the idea of an algorithmic stable coin, I don't think anyone's going to buy into that anytime soon, um, you know, after, after what happened with Terra. I think obviously collateralized stable coins have a huge role to play. And, you know, this obviously we have USDT, we've got Brock here, but obviously, you know, USDC and BUSD and a bunch of others as well. I don't know if there's, I mean, I do see the need, for, I, I guess, for a, a, a sort of decentralized stable coin, so to speak. I still think the idea is amazing and it's actually what, got me into terror in the first place was was that concept and that vision um but whether it was whether it's just not possible whether it was badly executed it's it's really hard to say like i'm not an expert on algorithmic stable coins unfortunately so you know i, I couldn't really comment but but yeah but as an exchange where are people putting i mean people need some stable store of value especially during uh the, the woeful economic times that we're having now um what are people turning to I think people are turning to, I mean, people are obviously just turning to centralized stable coins, right? Fully collateralized stable coins. Um, and you're right. I mean, people do need that. I think over the longer term, I mean, other cryptocurrencies, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, et cetera, are going to increase in value. I mean, that's been proven and that if people have time to wait, then putting their assets into those currencies is actually a better longer term solution. But you're right. I mean, people need, you know, to have six months, 12 months, worth of kind of runway, individual runway, I guess you can call it, just in case of a bear market or, you know, market conditions not going so well in the sort of, you know, mid sort of short to medium term future. So I think stable coins and, and probably fully collateralized stable coins are probably the best option for that at the moment. All right, Brock, I'm, I'm anxious to take the same uh, question to you. Of course, you have more than a little bit of experience in this space. Where are people going to pin their, their hopes for some stability in terms of a store of value? Obviously, one of like the three key functions of any, any functioning currency. Yeah, so I, I agree with uh, most everything just said. Uh, I'm a believer in the concept of an algorithmic stable coin. Uh, I think it's a, a good idea as we, you know, leave, call it the, the, the bridged economy, right? The collateralized stable coin is how we use the legacy financial system to create new instruments in the new economy, right? Um, I do think that there's eventually a, a way to create an algorithmic stable coin that can perform the function. It's unfortunate that what happened at Terra Luna did because uh, that's certainly going to, I think, erode trust for quite a long time uh, to be able to run that experiment. And, and it's worth knowing what, what happened and why. I mean, there's a lot of things you could focus on. The biggest issue is that people put too much trust in that experimental system too soon that hadn't been through a bear market. It hadn't been sufficiently battle tested. And that's just a good lesson for all of us as we look at new emerging ideas uh, you know, until they've been through a bear market, until they've survived a crypto winter, you know, you probably don't want to grow something to that degree. 
Uh, people were just chasing, uh, you know, the DeFi yields in, in a way that, you know, right. got too big too fast and it was vulnerable and it was taken down and uh, at, at great harm uh, to a lot of people. Um, so uh, I think the idea still has merit. I think this outcome is going to delay that. And uh, yeah, collateralized stable coins are the... Uh, uh, the interim and, and near term and short term and probably even midterm future, um, though it's worth taking a look at Maker, right, and watching what's happening at Dai. Um, uh, though you know they're even now starting to uh, effectively lateralize through uh, USDC. So I mean, that's even becoming uh-huh. a, a, a you know a, call it a semi-collateralized stablecoin uh, through its voting mechanisms. So um, it, it, this clearly is a as a tool is critical it's not going away and uh it, you know immense value to the broader ecosystem and its development uh without stable coins crypto wouldn't be anywhere close to where it is today in my view so so understanding that you probably need to be circumspect in what you you can say and can't say about this but like looking at the the one for one collateralized uh stable coin like tether Tether's been in the scopes of the Department of Justice for the past three years, um, trying to, uh, I don't know, identify that the collateralization, essentially, that, that, the, asset, that the assets are there. You know, is, is this just kind of a massive distraction, or what kind of reassurances are, are they looking for? Why, why, you know, in, in your opinion, given that it's an ongoing case... Um, you know, what, what is the solution there? Doesn't that almost push us toward an algorithmically supported uh, stablecoin in the future, you know, 10 years from now? Well, I, I'm constantly reminding uh, members of our government that, you know, the U.S. cares about its reserve uh, status in the world. Within stablecoins, over 90 percent, call it 95 percent of the market is in U.S. dollars. The U.S. dollar has 95 percent market share. That's a really good thing from a U.S. perspective. And I encourage the government not to do anything that could jeopardize that and empower the Chinese digital one or some sort of alternative. And when I make that statement, it resonates because most of them don't understand how good this has ultimately been. What you've seen now uh, uh, as it relates to, you know, call it the one-to-one side. Yes, I, th- I think that um, that's the problem with algorithmic stablecoins is that they, uh, if there's a run on the bank, it has a, a, a very severe problem, which is in its own way, a form of sort of fractional reserve sort of modeling. Um, and at this point too, what you've seen is everybody's migrated in part because interest rates have risen, but also just to uh, create maximum comfort. You know, it's effectively now U.S. treasuries. Uh, which also, I think, creates an alignment in terms of the U.S. government's view on these things, right? Um, you know, it's when you're a big, a big buyer of treasuries, you know, all of a sudden you're like, well, this is actually, you know, again, more ways in which it, it, it aligns interests. Um, you know, the bigger concern is what is the, you know, government ultimately want to do in terms of creating its own stable coin? I'm not a fan of that idea. Uh, I'm much more a fan of banks or financial institutions creating competitive products than uh, this being centralized at the the Fed or the Treasury Department. So, uh, you know, it is that is centralization is is that essentially why why you uh, 
you are not necessarily in the favor of this falling to a government standard where we essentially digital dollars. I, I've been hearing prognostications for years that, you know, the U.S. could uh, just wipe out the, the crypto market here by coming out with uh, with the digital dollar. But, but you don't you don't think that's the solution because of uh, the lack because of the inherent centralization? Yeah, well, I mean, I think what it would do is, again, centralize essentially banking, right, and finance, you know, at the government level rather than having all of these regulated financial institutions that allow for a competitive market to exist. I think it's better to allow uh, the free markets to manage the issuance. Obviously, this will be a, a regulated space in light of the the events that have occurred to call it protect consumers. But uh, uh, I think you know, in the old days, banks used to issue banknotes. Um, I, I like that model better of the two if I had to choose one. And uh, I think allowing, you know, issuers to create these instruments. I mean, remember, the first real kind of modern stablecoin was the American Express Traveler's Check. Uh, I guess some people might be too young to know what that is because it's uh, there's not much of an industry. But you used to go make a deposit with American Express and they'd give you a check that you could then go spend like cash anywhere in the world. And that's, you know, one of the first sort of implementations of this idea. Okay. Very cool. Uh, you know, just fundamentally, I've, I've spoken to dozens of people in the past six months or so, uh, interviewing them about like what is going to, uh, move us out of this bear market into a more friendly market. Do you see uh, regulation as a move, to, you know, greater regulation here in the U.S. Do you, and globally? Do you see this as a move toward helping the market recover, or is that something that's going to, in your opinion, uh, you know, prevent recovery or delay recovery? I mean, it all depends on regulation, right? Is it good regulation or is it bad regulation? Is it uh, uh, thoughtful? Remember, this is an industry that is already regulated by laws that go back to the 1930s, many laws that predate the existence of the Internet. And that's one of the problems you have with, you know, the it, uh, how it's regulated. You know, the SEC says it's all a security. You know, the CFTC says it's all a commodity. Right. Um, you, depending upon which government regulator you're talking to, they all says, well, no, this is ours to govern. And so there's a, in some ways a, 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 a land grab or a power grab amongst regulatory bodies. And if regulation, you know, more sensible regulation that creates greater clarity and uh, allows greater fluidity in the market um, were to exist, that's that's thoughtful. Um, you know, it's not it's not a bad thing. It all depends on what the regulation is. Right now, we live in a market with a lot of regulatory uncertainty and a lot of laws that don't even make sense right now. And with regulatory arms of government all, you know, saying that we are the ones that are, you know, that oversee this. And so uh, uh, it, regulation, again, inherently isn't a bad thing or a good thing. It's it's all about what is the regulation? Is it good law? Uh, I'm an advocate right now for this being done at the state level. Let the states experiment uh, uh, with legislation uh, and, and so that we get it right. I think we're living in the fourth industrial revolution and the decisions we make now are going to affect not only the fate of our nation, but, you know, the world. And I just pray that we don't make a poor decision uh, in haste that uh, uh, changes the scope of our uh, uh, or our fate. What about you, Tom? What's on your wish list from regulators? 
You know, I, we talk, I talk to people all over the spectrum, some of whom completely want government out of it and others who are like, no, the real money can't move in until there's a very clear regulatory structure. What's your take? I mean, I think I'd really like to see a, a new asset class um, so that, you know, rather than being kind of considered, you know, it's a security and it, therefore it needs all of the kind of rules and restrictions around that. You know, can we have some kind of like a light, a lighter version, I guess, of, of, of a security which doesn't need to necessarily comply with or, or, or conform with all of the sort of, you know, the, the rules around, say, like a publicly traded company? Um, and I think, you know, something like that would just free up an incredible amount of innovation. I mean, that's really already what's happening in the crypto space, right? I mean, and I think like moving moving forwards, that's what should happen more and that tokens should be should actually be able to accumulate revenue, distribute revenue. I mean, that's that's what they're, they're perfectly designed for. Um, but at the, calling that a security obviously puts a halt on on everything. So I think, you know, what the crypto industry has tried to do to, to avoid that. They've kind of jumped through all these crazy hoops and come up with all these crazy tokenomics. And, you know, often those things actually just don't make, make any sense. And they don't actually accrue, you know, you have tokens which aren't actually accruing real value and aren't actually distributing real value to token holders. Um, and so I think that, you know, if we could come up with a way that allowed sort of, you know, crypto companies to do that and crypto protocols to do that in a legal way, I think it would actually be more beneficial for everyone because you wouldn't have people purchasing tokens which at the end of the day don't have any real revenue or any real value behind them. I, I agree with, 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 with all of that. You know, how do we support innovation? How do we allow innovation to uh, uh, happen with greater ease? And that is to understand that a bank like JP Morgan should be regulated a little different from a startup, you know, in a sandbox experimenting with new ideas and and how do we empower that what made this country great is you know we're the capital of innovation and what are the things that we're going to do to make sure that we stay a capital of innovation you know and support this idea of the american dream and i think again you know uh less is more uh and you're not gonna there's no the, the concept of no regulation is 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 an idea that just doesn't, it's not possible. We already have regulation. How, how do we get more sensible regulation that supports the things that, you know, we want, which is the ability to continue to create things to make, you know, people's lives better, whether that be investment products, you know, uh, whatever it is. Yeah, in my opinion, sorry, yeah. the base education. For me, if we spread the word, spread knowledge, Everyone's more educated, and and the um, uh, politi politics will will have to improve their knowledge around it, and to please the the people that demand certain uh, technologies or or rights. I think what maybe we might see happen um, also is maybe some countries, you know, are going to obviously, I mean, they already are, have more flexible and more open regulations and that those countries will actually end up attracting a lot of investment, a lot of, um, you know, innovation, a lot of um, developers and protocols. And we could even see a distribution of a redistribution of wealth. I mean, in the beginning, I guess it was sort of Silicon Valley because of the, the the great open regulations there, that's kind of what just attracted so many people to that part of the world and why so many amazing products came out of that part of the world. And maybe now we'll see that happen somewhere else. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to happen in the US. In fact, down here in, 
in Colombia, we're working like even with the local governments here to kind of try to, you know, free up um, some regulation and, and make it a hub of innovation, um, especially in Medellin. And maybe that will, that in itself will attract, hopefully, you know, more investors down here, more entrepreneurs down here from all over the world. Um, and, and that will sort of help to redistribute some of that wealth as well. So maybe some of the countries which previously sort of had a bit of a, a monopoly on innovation, um, maybe, maybe that those, um, you know, maybe new countries will be able to, to, to come up and, and take over that, that position or at least have a, you know, a better chance at that. Well, perfect. I'm just going to jump in quick because usually I do it about mid-show to let everybody know. If you haven't followed J-Rod, you absolutely should. Jose, my co-host here, he is amazing. Follow Brock. I think Brock just disappeared, but he's uh, probably he had a connectivity issue. But by all means, go ahead and follow him too. Uh, you know, been talking to him for a couple of years now. Wicked smart guy. Um, tons to say about the space. Follow Tom. Follow Loop. And if you have any questions or want to suggest any guests, you can DM me or uh, you can you can always raise your hand, too. Um, all right. So move, moving on from that, Tom, I guess. And what, what is, uh, is. Oh, and also also future crypto show coming are the, uh, you know, the big annual summit of uh, being done by Benzinga. Many great leaders appearing at the show. We have Anthony Scaramucci speaking from Skybridge. We have Kevin O'Leary uh, from Shark Tank. CFTC Commissioner Christy Goldman Romero, eToro e US CEO, and people from State Street, Vanguard Circle, and a bunch of uh, more Web3 projects too as well. Um, you know, we've got Scale. We've got... Um, uh, we've got Cosmos coming. We've got Algorand, uh, Algorand attending, uh, and lots of NFT projects as well. Uh, that that um, you know are are going that are a big deal. Uh, Doodles and, and of course a Board Ape Yacht Club. So please, uh, tickets still available. If you're interested in learning about, it, if you want a coupon code, DM me or J Rod. We'll be glad to give you one. Uh, but anyway, with, with, uh, that housekeeping, uh, out, out of, out of the way, um, Tom, you know, right now, I, obviously cosmos is a very imp impressive ecosystem to me to begin with. Um, you know, what are, is loop doing on cosmos that, uh, it, you know, it would not be able to, uh, uh, accomplish the same way if you were trying to make it like another Ethereum or polygon based project. Um, I think one of the amazing things about Cosmos is obviously its scalability due to the fact that it's quite easy to spin up your own chain within the Cosmos ecosystem and at the same time be connected to all of the other existing chains um, through things like IBC and interchain accounts and, you know, a lot of sort of amazing technology which has been worked on for, for many, many years now and which has actually flown a little bit under the radar because I think Cosmos is mainly you know full of developers rather than full of kind of vcs or business development or marketers trying to to pump it um so everyone's just been you know heads down hard at work um building this amazing technology but yeah i think that ability to actually launch your own sovereign chain um within the ecosystem so you know build up on another chain like you know sort of develop product market fit on a chain like you know juno for example is a, is a great chain for that 
Um, and then, you know, once you reach a certain point and once you're sort of large enough and ready, um, launch your own app chain or launch your own chain and allow other apps to build on it. Um, I think that kind of makes it infinitely scalable, um, which is which is amazing, but it also makes it sort of infinitely customizable. You know, we can see what DYDX is doing. They're, they're, they're moving over onto their own Cosmos chain at the moment and they're kind of customizing it in a way which makes sense, you know, for their users and for their particular needs. We have something like Say Network who are building basically an, an on-chain order book um, and like an order book which is baked into the sort of the tender mint layer of the chain. And then, you know, for us, um, we're very focused on Latin America. So, you know, when we launch our own chain, we'll have probably validators mostly located in Latin America, increased speeds, um, batch transactions, things like that. So, you know, you can sort of have this sort of interconnected network of chains, each doing their own thing, but at the same time, all benefiting one another and, you know, all being able to, to communicate and connect with each other in a, in a very secure way, a, a way like IBC is much more secure than a standard bridge is, for example. Well, so in your roadmap, where, where, what should we expect from Loop this year? Where are you taking things? What surprises are you going to have to help attract more people to the space and serve your current customer base? Um, so we're about to launch, as I said, in, in Colombia. Um, we're, we're just working out the on-ramps here now. On-ramping, um, <laughs> on-ramping from fiat to crypto is not that easy here, uh, but we're looking at a, a range of solutions, and I think we've finally come up with one. Um, and then launching our product here, uh, launching a basic savings product so people will be able to you know, generate a yield on their stable coins. Um, we have a conference coming up in March, actually, in, in Medellin, um, which is going to be amazing. We're partnering with um, a company called Expo Crypto. Uh, we're running that at one of the major convention centers down here. It, um, it's, gonna... it's the same place that Cosmoverse was held, right? No, uh, the same city. Yeah, not the same okay. venue. Um, this, this venue is much bigger. It holds about 8,000 people. Um, we're really targeting it not at sort of not just at sort of crypto entrepreneurs from around the world, but at local people as well, trying to get as many local people involved as possible. Uh, we're actually working with some local artists down here. Reggaeton is like this is the, the, the birthplace of reggaeton almost. And, you know, a lot of big reggaeton stars are down here and are really looking at getting into NFTs. So we're going to be working with a few of those. We're going to work with an empanada shop, which is going to have 50 locations across Medellin where you'll be able to go in, you'll be able to buy empanadas, but you'll also be able to top up your crypto or like off ramp as well. Um, so really getting like very integrated with the kind of the fabric, like the, the commercial fabric um, of, of this city. Uh, that's, that's really what we're focused on at the moment. Hey, Tom, um, you said you're, 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 your vision is aiming Latin American communities, right? So uh, how are you reaching these communities? Like what's your kind of marketing plan? Um, one of the main ones is obviously just partnering with local businesses who already have their own audience. So for example, we're partnering with the local restaurant chain, with hotels, with um, nightclubs. Uh, also working with local artists who obviously, I mean, people trust here, they trust their favorite pop star more than they trust the government. So, you know, partnering with them and, and working through them, you know, to release NFT collections and to have them as kind of part, you know, influencers, I guess, who are working with us. Um, so they're our main, our real main go-to-market strategies. And of course, running events down here, like the conference, we're working with local government and schools, doing workshops in schools and things like that. 
So kind of, you know, we're working from both an educational perspective as well as, um, you know, working through kind of local existing businesses and, and artists. Cool. That, that's great. I live in Argentina, so if you need anything here, let me know. Perfect. I might even be coming to La Bitconf. So if, if I do, I'll definitely hit you up. Um, but we're 100% looking at expanding to, to the rest of Latin America. We really just want to obviously sort of do really well in one, one region first and then from there expand out. Very cool. Well, we appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. You know, we, we don't often on this show because we often, like last time we had like six guests. Uh, I think, uh, you know, Brock, I knew was going to be able to drop in for about 25 minutes. Um, so I assume that he is, uh, he's gone for the rest of the show. And it doesn't look like we're going to see Julie. That's okay. That, you know, I knew she was going to just be able to drop in for a little while. But um, let's go ahead and see. I think that we have a, we have a question uh, from Herc. If, I mean, Herc, do you, have a, do you have a question for the group? That, that's uh, my hope. And if I try to throw over to you. All right. Well, we will. We'll give that a shot because I just oh there we go. Herc, how are you? Uh great, thanks. Uh I'm a big fan of Brock Pierce. I volunteered for him in 2020. I was gonna ask him to explain to me, a layman, about blockchain voting because uh, I host uh, political spaces and I basically said that this is a game changer. It'll it'll make it so people We'll be able to vote on the phone and it'll be somewhat unhackable. But people have come back at me and said, yes, it has been hacked and it's not 100 percent secure. So I was wondering if you guys could explain it to me and, and tell me just how secure it is. Uh, I've been told it's more secure than uh, bank accounts. Huh. Well, I mean, you know, the immutability of blockchain is certainly meant to, to be that way. I, I'm not deep enough on the technical side to really comment comment on that personally. And I'm afraid that Brock, of course, who is the, the one who ran for president, is uh, is is off at this point. Tom, what's your take? What's your take on uh, voting? By the way, I know that decentralization is huge in Cosmos. Are you guys running as a DAO? Uh, we're not at the moment. No, I'm not sure. I mean, I think that DAOs are fantastic, but I think at our stage of development, which is still an early stage of development, you really, I think a, a project or a startup is probably better off with a more of a sort of traditional centralized type organization because you need to be able to make um, decisions quickly. We need to be able to like, you know, um, follow up on leads or opp business opportunities in a very fast way. And I think, you know, it's actually, that's actually more efficient um, when you have a, a sort of more traditional startup kind of structure. But our long-term goal is obviously to become a DAO. So, you know, as, we, as our platform matures and, and we have a lot more holders and, you know, it sort of grows and reaches a real stage of, of maturity and sustainability, um, once it reaches that point, 100%, like that, that's our, our vision is to become a DAO. Um, but what? regarding the, the blockchain voting um, question, I yeah. guess... You know, chains themselves are very hard to hack, but individual wallets are not necessarily very hard to hack. So you're unfortunately relying on, you know, your your users to be able to protect their own wallets. Um, so I, th I see that really as kind of, you know, the, the weakest link is, is always going to be that. And when you're dealing with a whole population of people, um, you know, there can be 
a lot of issues with that, I suppose. So really it's a matter of making a wallet, which is very, you know, very difficult to hack and but at the same time incredibly user-friendly. Excellent point. Excellent point. Um, so, you know, th- this this is great. Thank you so much for taking the time to uh, to catch up with us, Tom. We really appreciate it. Thank you for uh, taking the time to tell us a little bit more about Loop. Uh, you know, Brock, thank you for joining us, of course. And Julie didn't make it today, but I'm sure she will be back again. She is speaking at the Future of Crypto show, which is on December 7th. Uh, tickets are pretty cheap. I think they were at a hundred dollars. I think they've just gone up in the past week or so. I'm sure we can get you a coupon code. If you're looking for one, if you're looking to attend, speak at cover or anything else having to do with those shows, feel free to DM me in the meantime, every single one of you helps make these, uh, community based events as, as, as strong as they've been. I, I really loved sort of this open format where you have these kind of unexpected conversations going back and forth. Um, I, I think that's part of what makes it strong. J-Rod, just, just, just so we uh, end on time today, so we've got about six minutes, is there anything that, that you want to add overall or any last questions you want to get in? I, I, I'm so grateful for this conversation. It was enriching, I have to say. It, it was amazing space. How do you feel about this episode? Yeah, it's true. You know, it, it is awesome. The, the crossover idea, which really is J-Rod's idea, um, you know, it, it works so well for for this format, and we're going to continue to perfect it. This is our sixth episode, after all. Please tune in. Please follow us, because I will talk all the time about these spaces when they're about to appear. So it's a very very easy way to to be able to uh, keep track of it. Um, we love you guys. Thank you for for being an extended part of uh, Zinger Nation. I guess, all right, we've got yeah, maybe time for one question, which usually we don't have time for questions. But so I'm, I'm trying to uh, hit approve and see if that works. Okay. Bitcoin. Um, go, go ahead. You, you, had, you had a question. Still muted, man. All right. Well. Can you hear me now? Hey, yes, I can yeah, hear you. Uh, if you're going to do anything requiring votes, you're going to have to do that in a decentralized ledger. It cannot be a tech company fronting, you know, skirting SEC, you know, regulation. You really need an immutable ledger agreement. I think uh-huh. it's going to have to be built on Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that, that, that's an interesting point. I mean, certainly the, there's such a high bar required. I'm sorry, you were going to say, Tom? Oh, no, I, I didn't say, I didn't say the, anything. The, okay, I, just background uh, noise. You know, uh, there's certainly, it sounds simple on paper. Obviously, something that is at its heart an immutable ledger should be ideally suited to handle something like voting. What makes everything complicated? The existence of human beings and the fact that human beings will mistreat and misuse any piece of technology you put in front of them. This is just a, it's not a matter of whether they will. It's a matter of how long it will take them to get to the particular misuse that you're thinking of, whichever one it is. So, uh, yeah, it, it is or, definitely or a, a complicated or a puzzle. Or a misuse that you haven't even considered, which somehow someone yeah, exactly. to come up with. 
I, I could just I could just imagine, uh, and people are, are endlessly curious and creative. And one of the offshoots of, of being like that is that we we have no end of potential shenanigans. Um, Tom, is is there a, where should people look for more about your project? I think we had uh, your Twitter account following us until uh, until recently. I think that might have dropped off. Um, so follow you. Where should people look for updates on on uh, Loop? Um, yeah, Twitter account's probably best, loop underscore finance, um, or check out our website, loop.markets. Um, either of those is a great start. J-Rod, trying to set us up to, to just go ahead and and, uh, and close down in the next uh, three minutes. Uh, any any last thoughts for us? Are you as our, our spiritual leader of our Twitter spaces here, and personally my rock and my inspiration in uh, crypto open mic? <laughs> Well, uh, I have to say that around what we talk, I think that the, the, the education is the most important part because we, can, we can't have a good regulation if people are not aware of the benefits and how to defend their, their rights, you know? So I think that we have to keep spreading the word and educating and also innovating. So let's see you on Tuesday, 1 p.m. Uh, for the next quick talk the mic. Everyone invited and everyone can speak. We're going to have a killer lineup next week as we do every week. I've, I've got Splinterlands uh, uh, coming on in the near future. Alien Worlds, I always like uh, Game 5 projects. Um, we have several other major projects as well. I think Rarible might uh, might be next Thursday, but you know it it is uh, a maelstrom trying trying to uh, put this show together. With that, we, with that that's why the the extreme flexibility of it is so is so cool for me. So keep posted. We're gonna have great projects coming on to talk to y'all, and please join us again next week. Thank you so much for joining us today. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to wrap it up, J-Rod? Yeah, yeah. bye-bye. Thanks for joining. Look out for the future crypto show. Give everyone a follow. Thank you. Thanks Thanks for having me, guys. See you. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for joining us. Pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for Herc and Bitcoin for their questions, by the way. Take care, Al.